Hey everyone, welcome to the Cornerstone Church Podcast. Our prayer is that through this message, you will find the Father, a family, and a fulfilling future. Be sure to connect with us online at Cornerstone Church Social to keep up with all things Cornerstone. Thanks for tuning in. As we begin today, I want to read to us uh, while we're standing from the book of Luke. Luke chapter 1, this is what scripture says to us. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared unto her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her. For you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor, David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And that's what we get to see today. We see that his kingdom has in fact never ended. It has only advanced. It has only moved forward and it has only taken more and more ground. The fact that we are here is evidence of that. Now, what I want us to talk about today before we, we pray and have a seat, um, it, it's always been funny to me how uh, Christmas comes after Easter. I know it's how the calendar works, but it's kind of funny that we celebrate the end of the story before the beginning of the story. Isn't that kind of, it just feels kind of out of whack sometimes, but I like it because it gives us a very similar feel to, I've, I've used this illustration before, um, the movie The Sixth Sense. Sorry if I'm spoiling anything for you, but the movie's been out for about 25 years now. But in that movie, you find out at the very end that Bruce Willis's character was dead the whole time, right? And so now, if you've ever watched that movie again, you cannot watch it the same way. You just can't. Because you know the ending, and now that you know the ending, it affects everything that you saw at the beginning and the middle of the movie. Well, the same is true with Easter and with Christmas. I believe what we studied earlier this year is we looked at the kingdom of God coming into our world uh, through the life, ministry, and the death and resurrection of Jesus. I believe what we learned there is going to give us a different kind of insight, a hindsight as we look at uh, Christmas and we see the kingdom of God and the first ripples of that kingdom breaking into the world at Easter, at Christmas and what we can learn from that, how it applies to our life today. So that's what we're going to be studying today. I'm going to ask you for, let's bow our heads and let's pray as we approach God and his word today. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would illuminate your word to us today as we study it, that you would speak to us anew, that we would would see uh, it with fresh eyes and with a fresh perspective uh, because we're here to hear from you, God. We're not here to uh, listen to Pastor Jacob's opinion on anything. We're here to learn from you and from your word. So do just that, God. Fill this place with the presence of your Holy Spirit. Do the same for all of those who are watching online today, wherever they're joining us from. Let us know beyond the shadow of a doubt that, God, you are in our presence in these next moments, and you are drawing us closer to you through the power of your Holy Spirit. We love you, Father. We pray all this in your name. Everybody said together, amen, amen. Why don't you grab a seat? And while you do, high five somebody next to you and let them know there's 28 days till Christmas. 28 days to Christmas. Everybody watching online, only 28 days to go. Thank you, Roy. We're in the final stretch of the countdown. How many people have Christmas lights up? Christmas lights, okay, you're better than me. I normally have them up and out. I'm, I'm gonna finish them out today Hopefully, hopefully. It'll give me something to do during the Browns game, right? I, 
we all know, we, we all know I won't be busy after the first quarter is over. So, uh, yeah, only 28 days to Christmas. It's funny, um, just thinking about Christmas, how much it's changed after having kids. Like, Christmas before kids and Christmas after kids are just two entirely different worlds, just two entirely uh, different worlds. Like Christmas Eve before kids, like what it looked like, me and my wife, um, you know, we, we had an apartment at the time. So we would go to her family's, uh, her extended families, we would hang out there and we'd come back to our apartment and, you know, get all the Christmas lights turned on in the room and it's all like dim and put on a Christmas movie, make some coffee or hot chocolate and just like relax and cuddle up and watch a movie. Like that was Christmas Eve. Like if it was one word, it was just relaxation, just Ah, like, isn't this nice? It's, oh, this is so great. Stay up late if we want to, go to bed whenever. After kids, <laughs> Christmas Eve, if, if it was a word, it wouldn't be relaxation so much as it would be construction, like building and putting things together and almost losing my Christianity because I can't find the, ple- the piece that's supposed to come with the thing. And so you're losing your mind trying to put everything together, right? Um, although I, I shouldn't wish those days away because already, like, I'm, we're already at the point where as I'm looking at the Christmas list this year and me and Jessica are talking about it, I'm already wishing that I was still putting together uh, uh, like a $25 bike. Like, I, I wish, I long for the days that I was putting together a dollhouse because now we're looking at it and it's nothing I need to build. Uh, the, the word isn't construction. It's more like loan or debt or sell your plasma and your blood to be able to afford this stuff. I'm looking, I'm seeing like Xbox and iPad. I'm like, what, in the, what happened to the dollhouse that I have to put together? Can we go back to that now, right? Um, but it is, it's, it's funny how much things have changed, which I kind of feel like is a microcosm of what Christmas is on a larger scale. Christmas is kind of all about change, right? Like change that entered our world. Think about it. Think about the fact that it literally split the calendar. Like the coming of Jesus split our calendar. We, we have a, a different way of telling time period because of Jesus entering our world. Talk about change. Talk about something changing up. Uh, and that's what Christmas is. Christmas is all about change. Specifically, when we read the Christmas story, this is what we're gonna be learning in this series. When we look at the Christmas story, we see how it has changed everything with how we see God and how we relate to God, or at least it should right? Like we look at the Christmas story and man, it should completely and utterly change everything that we ever thought about God that we uh, assumed about him. It changes all of that. Now, what's that look like? Well, we're going to jump into it today. I'm going to be reading from the book of Luke chapter one. We're going to be looking at verses five through 17. If you have a Bible or a Bible app and want to follow along, uh, we won't have the words on the screen uh, this week, but uh, you can just follow along with me as I'm reading, this is from the New Living Translation. This is what it says, starting in verse five of Luke one. When Herod was king of Judea, there was a Jewish priest named Zechariah. He was a member of the priestly order of Abijah, and his wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. So let's stop right there real quick. So you've got this couple, one of whom is a priest, Zechariah, he's a priest, and both he and his wife come from a long line of priests. Like they're, they're both from a priestly lineage. So this is like pastor kid on steroids, right? Like this is, this is big time like things going on here for them to both be from a priestly line. Let's continue reading in verse six. Not only that, Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, 
careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. So not only did they look good because they were born into a priestly family, they actually walk the walk. Like, think, think about how good you have to be for God's word to point you out by name and say, you keep all my commands and regulations. That's, that's pretty good, right? And that's who they were. They were people who kept all of God's commands and regulations. Verse seven continues, they had no children because Elizabeth was unable to conceive and they were both very old. One day, Zechariah was serving God in the temple for his order, the order of priests that he was a part of, was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary of the Lord and burn incense. What that means is uh, what we know from about this period of time in ancient Judaism, there were probably around 20,000 priests active at that time. 20,000, that's a lot, which that is why he was chosen by random. He was chosen by lot to be burning incense uh, in the sanctuary of the Lord on this day. Verse 10, while the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. While Zechariah was in the sanctuary, an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was shaken and overwhelmed with fear when he saw him. But the angel said, don't be afraid, Zechariah. God has heard your prayer. Your wife, Elizabeth, will give you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or other alcoholic drinks. He will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth. And he will turn many Israelites to the Lord their God. He will be a man with spirit and power of Elijah. He will prepare the people for the coming of the Lord. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children. And he will cause those who are rebellious to accept the wisdom of the godly. That's some good stuff. If you're, if you're Zechariah, talk about an answer to prayer in this moment. Not only are you being given the son, the, the, the child that you've been prayed for, but the angel is saying, this is gonna be a, an extraordinary person, extraordinary man, someone who's gonna be filled with the spirit of God, someone who's gonna turn the hearts of Israel back to the Lord, their God. So what I want us to do, we're gonna kind of hop back through this set of scripture today as we dive into the sermon. If you're a note taker, today's sermon title is Impressed, Stressed, and Blessed. Say that five times fast, right? <laughs> Impressed, stressed, and blessed. Um, <clears throat> I wanna see a show in hands, everybody watching online, this goes for you too. How many people have ever stressed to impress somebody? Every male hand should shoot up in this place. Just, yep, <laughs> like that's, that's me, right? You've you stressed to impress somebody, probably a, a, a romantic partner, you've tried to uh, impress them. My wife, Jessica, whenever we first started dating, I made, a, I made a huge tactical error, huge tactical error. We, we went official, we became official on February 8th, like less than a week out from Valentine's Day. Talk about stupid, like what was I thinking? I put so much pressure just a week out and it's like a weird one where you're like, well, what kind of gift do I get her? Because like we are a couple, but we're a really new couple. And so there's just a whole lot of pressure riding on, on this Valentine's Day date. And then on top of it, on top of it, we had a crazy snowstorm. This is 2007, had a crazy snowstorm. So uh, my parents' driveway was just like, just filled. Our, our road, it's a side road, so it was filled with snow. Um, and so it looked like we weren't going anywhere. Like Jessica was bummed out. We were, you know, texting back and forth. And it looked like it probably wasn't gonna happen because of how bad the snow was. And then on top of it, at the time, I was driving a 1995 Camaro. Not, not exactly known for how they handle in the snow, right? Like, 
So my mom was like, well, you can use my car, you can use my, which it wasn't much better. It's like a Chevy Impala. I'm like, that's not, I, thank you, but that's not gonna do too much for me. Uh, so I, but I, I was determined. I'm like, I'm gonna impress this girl. Like she, she thinks this date isn't gonna be able to happen. It's gonna happen. Come hell or high water, it's gonna happen. So I'm out there in the driveway. And the driveway I'm, is like, the double doors to this back wall. Like it's probably even a little bit longer than that. It's a long drive and it's, you know, a wide driveway. I shoveled that whole thing, the whole day, pretty much from the moment I got up to like needing to get ready so I didn't stink to high heavens. <laughs> I was shoveling that driveway. Not only that driveway, this is gonna sound like, oh, he's making this up. I kid you not. I even shoveled like a little ways into the road because I knew if this car is gonna make it, I need a running start. Like I need, <laughs> I need as much, like as much of a running start as I can get with this thing. And so sure enough, I just needed to get to a main road. I was able to, you know, get onto the main road, was able to go over there, pick her up, went on the date. I completely wooed her. I took her to Fridays, just the, the, the peak, <laughs> the peak of fine dining, right? <laughs> Made sure that I casually dropped how, how like hard it was to do all this. Like, yeah, I mean, that, that driveway was just packed with snow. I honestly can't believe I was able to get all that snow moved out with just nothing but my two bare hands and a shovel. Like, you know, just trying, trying to do anything I can to just impress her. Just trying to impress her. Um, <laughs> I say all that because I think that whenever we're being honest with ourselves, wherever you're at in your walk of faith, you can have the temptation, and I know this because I can have the same temptation, to do the exact same thing in our relationship with God. Like, I need to impress this guy. I need to impress, it, especially if I have something big coming up. If I got a big, if there's a promotion coming up at work, oh, better get back in church. <laughs> better, better start praying, better start reading scripture. I got that promotion I've been eyeing coming up. If there's a, a new relationship, oh, I better start, you know, I, I wanna make sure that this goes the way I want it to go. So I need to impress God to get his favor. I need to impress God to get him on my side. I need to do something so that he will look on me with favor. And the crazy thing is, is whenever we approach scripture, man, you can, you can justify a whole lot with the Bible, can't you? I mean, for, for thousands of years, we justified slavery using scripture. Like you can, you can make it say a whole lot of things you want it to say. And whenever you come to scripture with, with a, a hardened heart or a, an off mindset and you just approach it incorrectly, you can have it say things to you that aren't accurate, right? And actually what we just read from Luke chapter one, we can look at that and draw the wrong conclusions from it. So let me, let me jump back in here real quick. So Luke chapter one, let me just read a little bit of what we have just read about Zechariah and Elizabeth, okay? So Zechariah and Elizabeth, he was a Jewish priest. They're both Jewish people. They come from the priestly order of Abijah. Um, so that's another thing going uh, in, in, in their positive direction. He's from the priestly line of Aaron. And not only that, again, exactly what it says in verse six, they were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and all of the Lord's regulations. So if you read that in verses five and six, then you just jump down a few verses and you see that the angel appears before him and says, hey, Zachariah, don't be afraid. God has answered your prayer. It's very easy to look at this and go, oh, well, I know why God answered his prayer. Because they're, they're born in the right family. They're, they're, they're priestly lineage. They're, he's a priest. Uh, I know why God answered them because they impressed God. 
because they, they did the right song and dance. They followed all of the commands, all the regulations. They, did, they, they crossed the right T's and dotted the right I's for God to be happy with them. So that's why God answered their prayer. That's why God uh, heard them. That's the wrong conclusion to draw, but it's very easy to see how we can get there and how people often do get there. Uh, in fact, just on Thanksgiving Eve, I was talking with a, a young couple in our church um, who, uh, uh, this, is, this is so cool, this is apart from the sermon, um, but talking with a young couple in our church, uh, the guy, I, I, we became friends about two years ago now, I think, sounds about right, <laughs> about two years ago, uh, but he's been praying for his, his uh, girlfriend for such a long time, been praying for her um, because she's been very interested in faith, very interested in, in you know, like, just curious, you know, like she, she already going into it knew, knew just enough about faith to be dangerous, right? <laughs> you know, you know how that is where you know just enough, you've, you've had just enough experience, uh, but he'd been praying for her, and sure enough, just about a month or so ago, she's like jumped all in and giving her life to Jesus. Isn't that incredible? Isn't that awesome? I've, uh, which can I tell you another thing, just this is another off topic thing. Man, never stop praying for the people in your life. Like the, the people who you're like, man, you know, they seem close, so they seem kind of there. Just never stop praying because God is working, God is moving, God is hearing you. He absolutely is. So I was talking with them and we were having a really good conversation uh, uh, after the first service on Thanksgiving Eve. And whenever I was talking with her, she was saying, she's like, man, it's just so, it's just so funny how like things are clicking. Like as I'm reading the Bible, as we're praying, like things, I can just see things starting to click and things are starting to make much more sense to me before. And it, before it seemed like it clicking for people and like this stuff making sense for people that was reserved for like people, not me. <laughs> like it made sense to other people and it made sense to, to these people, but it didn't really click with me. And I think one of the reasons that we can fall into that mindset, because a lot of us have been there, is we feel like, God's favor and this stuff making sense, it's reserved for special people, for impressive people, for people who impress God, for people, for super Christians, for Pastor Jacob and Pastor Brenda and Pastor Donnie, like we're, we're the ones who have God's favor and we're the ones who like Zachariah can pray and God hears our answer because we obey all of the regulations and commands and we come from the priestly line and because of all that, that's why we have favor with God because we have impressed God in some way. But this is, this is why this mindset is so dangerous and it's so deadly. There's so many reasons. This is just one of the main ones that I want us to talk on today. If you feel like you have to impress God to get his favor, sooner or later, you're gonna forfeit your faith. You just are. If you feel like you have to do a song and dance to get God's attention and for him to love you and for him to connect with you and for, for him to accept you, if you feel like that's how God is, man, your faith, it's on a running time clock. Eventually, you're gonna forfeit it. You're gonna give out. This, this is how I know that. Everybody has these two separate groups of people in their life. People who you can just completely be yourself with and people who you have to be on with. Do you know what I mean? You, you know the difference? This is the difference when it's the person that you, you're totally comfortable with. You see him call, pick up the phone. Hey, what's going on, man? How you doing? When it's the other person, you pick up. Hello, hey, how are you? Good, good. Like, right? It's the whole, it's the whole different tone. Everything's more like professional and put together and outgoing. And, and those people, you can really like the people that you have to be on with. It can be family. It can be friends. You can really like those people, but if you spend a lot of time with them, 
when you're done, like even if you've done something that you love to do, like you could love bowling, like right, you go out with a group of friends from work, but they're all friends that you kind of have to be on for. You can do something like bowling and after it's over, go home and be like, I feel like exhausted. Like I feel like I just, I, I had to be on for the last four hours and I'm just like ready to not be on. Like I'm ready to be able to just relax and be myself. On the flip side, there's a group of people that you're just on with, like you, you, that you don't have to be on with because you're just, you're just there with them. You know what I mean? Like you just have that, that connection. They've heard your real singing voice. Like they've, they've heard it. They've seen that pair of sweatpants that's just like, why do you still own those? You know, they, they're the people, this is my neighbor uh, growing up, Eric Newman. Um, this is how I knew that I was like, man, I'm not, I'm not someone that he has to be on with. Like we're, we're like real tight. How I knew it was the first time that like him and his mom really got into it with me present, right? Like whenever there's like a family fight and you're there to witness it, you're like, wow, I'm part of the family. Like they're doing this in front of me. Like they're not, they're not doing the like nice fake smile. Like Eric, I'll talk to you after he leaves, okay? Like they're, no, they're having at it right here. This is awesome. Like I feel so loved. I feel so accepted, right? Because there's, there's no pretension. There's no, this is put on. There's no, this is fake. It's just real, and you feel safe enough to be real. Now, out of those two groups, the people that you have to be on with and the people that you don't, come on, who do you wanna spend more time with? Who is it easier to spend time with? Who is it whenever you look at the calendar and you look at upcoming events, you can't wait for that, and the other one that you go, oh man, I'm sure it'll be fun, but I'm gonna have to be on all night, right? Like, you know, you know there's a difference. And so, if we translate that into our relationship with God, no wonder people walk away from faith because they feel like they have to be on for God. They feel like they have to put on a nice face, hide the relationship, hide things that are going on in their life to come to church on Sundays, to impress God, to put on this fake veneer of who they really aren't because they're, they're trying to score points. They're trying to impress them. They're trying to do just enough good stuff to be on his good side so that God will say to them what he said to Zechariah, your prayers have been answered. <laughs> I like you. Like I, You've impressed me just enough to be okay with you, if you feel like you have to impress God, sooner or later, you are going to forfeit your faith. And again, the scary thing is that depending on how we come to scripture, if we come to it with a, with a messed up perspective, if we come to it not humbly asking God to reveal to us what we're seeing here, we can walk away with some uh, bad conclusions about what we need to do, namely that we have to impress God. Uh, again, it looks like that's what happened with Zachariah and Elizabeth. They were impressive people, and so God heard their answer. But I want us to jump ahead just a little bit in Luke chapter one to the verses that we started today off with, verses 26 through 33. Let me read these just one more time. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent an angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. I love this and I love the juxtaposition between the angel appearing to Mary 
and the angel appearing to Zechariah in these two narratives because there are some pretty stark differences between the two. Um, so let me, let me ask you for, for Mary, uh, did we hear, first off, where she's from? She's from Nazareth, right? This isn't, this isn't Jerusalem. This isn't a city that like, wow, this is an important city. This is an important city when it comes to our faith. Like, no, it's Nazareth. It's a little podunk town. That's where she's at, right? And then on top of that, did we hear anything about how good Mary was? Because we, I mean, we did for Zachariah and Elizabeth, right? Like, we heard Zachariah and Elizabeth were careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. Did we hear that said about Mary? No, right? Um, did we hear anything about Mary's uh, ancestry? Did we hear anything mentioned about her lineage, right? Because we did about Zachariah and Elizabeth. We heard, man, that he's a priest and they come from the priestly order of Abijah on her side and Aaron on his side, two priestly sides. Like, ooh, that's, that's good. But for Mary, we don't hear anything. We hear about her husband, we hear about Joseph. Joseph is a descendant of King David and we hear about Jesus, that Jesus will sit on the throne of his ancestor, King David, but we don't hear word one about Mary's lineage, about who she comes from. And yet, what does the angel say to her? Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. In fact, he says, greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Mary found favor. You see, this is, what, what we're seeing at work here is a truth, and it's a truth that doesn't just apply to Mary, it applies to you and me today. You don't impress your way into God's favor, you inherit your way into God's favor through Jesus. You, you can't, I cannot stress this enough, you can't impress your way into God liking you. Like, you can't impress your way, you can't impress your way into him loving you anymore, liking you anymore. You, you can't dance or sing well enough. You can't worship well enough to make him be impressed with you. We don't impress God's favor. We inherit God's favor through Jesus. So my youngest uh, kid, uh, Griffin, he's three years old. He's my little boy. And everybody says he's a mini me. Like he's a little mini, he's a little mini JL. He's a little mini uh, Pastor Jacob. Uh, and I don't see it because I haven't heard Griffin preach a single sermon yet. Like he's, sla he's slacking. I haven't heard him preach a single sermon yet. I love basketball. He, he hasn't like laced him up yet. He hasn't gotten any shots in. His, his jump shot looks terrible. It needs a lot of work, um, <laughs> right? Um, my little three-year-old, uh, like our hair, we have a completely different hairstyle, right? Like he's, he's rocking the comb over. You couldn't pay me enough to rock a comb over right now because it just wouldn't look good. <laughs> um, like, I, I love Seinfeld. Like, I love that show, Seinfeld. I can't get him to watch it. Like, he just instantly wants Toy Story or something. So, like, whenever people are like, oh, he's a mini Jacob, I'm like, really? Like, because he's slacking, right? It, it, that sounds ludicrous, doesn't it? <laughs> and it is ludicrous. Because all of those things are like, those are so far down the road. That's so after the fact. That's all... Man, that's all secondary stuff. Griffin is a mini-me. He literally has my blood pumping through his veins. Think about that. There are things, all of those things, any kid could, could pick up basketball. Any kid could start preaching. Any kid could watch Seinfeld, could have a similar hairstyle. Any kid could do that. But all of the stuff that he, you just, he, he can't change the way his eyes look. They look just like me. 
Like the way he smiles, he can't change it. It's my smile. Like it's, it's the exact same. He is my mini me, not because of all these little things that anybody could do, but because at an inherent level, he has inherited things from me because I'm his father. Do you see where I'm going with this? Do you see where I'm going with this? Griffin has my blood in him. When you start following Jesus as your Lord and as your Savior, when you call on Jesus, his blood is now covering you. His blood is now covering you. You are his. You belong to God. And what is true for Mary is true for us. She has found favor with God, not because she kept all the rules and all the regulations, not because she came from a priestly line. Listen to what it says. Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. That's where her favor came from, the fact that God was with her, not because she was so impressive, not because she was so wonderful or she was so great, but because who was with her, because who she placed her trust in. We do not impress our way into God's favor. We inherit God's favor through Jesus. We inherit it through Jesus. This is so opposite of what we think a lot of the times, that we, we, we have to do something to impress God, but let me tell you, 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 cannot, you cannot attend your way to church enough to impress God. You just can't. You can't I know there's people in this room who you're, you're trying to do the math, like, okay, how can I fit five months of Bible reading into the final days of this year so that I can complete my 365 a day? Like, how can I, how can I finish my Bible reading plan? Not because you love reading scripture and you, you love God's word, but because you need to check that thing off because it's another good thing in your column to impress God, to be like, hey, when that promotion comes up, don't forget, finish this thing in a year. Remember that? Remember how I did, <laughs> Remember how I did that? Wasn't that impressive that I was able to do that for you, God? We, 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 we believe this lie, that we impress our way into God's favor when the fact is we inherit his favor through Jesus. We inherit his favor through Jesus. When we call on Jesus in that moment, what is true of Mary is true as us, God is with us. God is with us. Um, so that means in, in the same way, Griffin, there's nothing that kid could do or not do that would make me love him any less or love him anymore. It's already, it's, it's, it's pinged. It, it is maxed out already because he's my kid. It's not because of the things that he does or the things that he doesn't do. Uh, in fact, all of, all of these things that, um, you know, down the road, I would be like, oh, that'd be cool if he would kind of get into him. He doesn't have to do any of those things because he's worried that his dad is holding this as like, hey, you need to impress me. You need to do this. I'm gonna love you, right? He doesn't have to worry about any of those things because he's my kid. And the same thing is true with us. We are gods. We belong to him. We don't have to do any of these things to impress him. We don't have to do any of these things to make him look at us with favor in any way. But this is what I wanna say. The, the, the sermon doesn't end right there, okay? Because what I don't want you to think is to walk away today and be like, woo, Pastor Jacob said, I don't have to do a thing. Like, I don't, I don't have to give. I don't have to serve. I could just take, take, take. This is, this is awesome. Like, I love this. I'm all down for this kind of faith, like, right? That, that is not what I'm saying because let me continue this analogy with Griffin. So um, Griffin is three, right? He's three years old. As he grows, as he gets older, I would be shocked if he doesn't start to pick some of these things up. Right? Like, I'd, I'd be shocked. 
If as Griffin gets older, if, if he doesn't start to get into basketball at all, I'll be shocked. You know why? Because I love basketball. I'm constantly watching it. I'm constantly out in the driveway just getting shots up. Like, I love basketball. And so if Griffin doesn't pick it up, it would be shocking. And you wanna know why? Because that's how I picked it up. My dad loves basketball. My dad loved watching, loved playing, loved shooting. And so because of that, it rubbed off on me because as I grew, I was growing with my dad. And so I picked it up. You wanna know how I started watching Seinfeld? My dad... <laughs> He watched Seinfeld. And so that's what we would do at night. While everyone else is going to bed, it'd be midnight and we're watching reruns on Fox 8, right? Like that's, that's what we were doing. I picked up on it because my dad, I, I'm a preacher. My mom and dad were preachers. Like, so it, it would shock me as if Griffin, when he grows, if these things, he doesn't start to pick up on them here and there. Now, this is what's important. I didn't pick up any of those things. I didn't start... Uh, preaching, I didn't start playing basketball, I didn't start watching that show because I was trying to impress my dad, right? I, I didn't start doing any of those things because I wanted his affection, I wanted his attention. That's not why I did those. I didn't do those things because I was trying to get his favor. I did those things because I already had his favor. This is such an important point, it's such an important distinction. We don't work for God's favor, we work from God's favor. So when it comes to holiness, when it comes to obeying God's commands and laws, we don't do that to get favor with him. We do it because we already have favor with him. And because as we grow alongside him, we start to look more like him. We start to sound more like him. We start to talk more like him. Just like me with my dad and hopefully Griffin with me, we start to pick things up as we grow because we have favor with our father, because we're close, because we're not, because we're in relationship. This isn't a, I have to earn it. I have to impress him. I have to do something to get his attention. We already have it. You wanna know one of my favorite, it, it is like a top 10 moment in scripture for me is Matthew chapter three. Um, I'm not gonna read it, I won't get into all that, but in Matthew chapter three, Jesus is baptized. And as he's baptized, as he comes out of the waters, what you hear God say to him, God the Father in an audible voice says, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Now, did you notice what chapter I said that takes place in? Matthew three. You know how many chapters are in Matthew? 28. <laughs> so where does that put this moment? At the very beginning, before Jesus has performed a single miracle, before he's preached a single sermon, and yet God is making the point before any of that happens of saying, this is my son, and before he has done a single one of these things that he is going to do, before he does any of that, this is my son, and I am pleased with him. And so Jesus begins his ministry working from the favor of his father. He already has it. He doesn't have to do a single thing to impress, to get attention. He already has his father's favor and he works from that. We see the same thing with Mary. Mary is told by Gabriel, greetings you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Then he says again, Mary, you have found favor with God. And so when we jump to the end, after the angel is outlining everything that's gonna happen, when we get to the very end of it, what Mary's response is, is so good. We get to the end of this and she doesn't say, okay, so if I do all this stuff, like I'm gonna be a pretty big deal, right? Like God's gonna, be, God's gonna be good with me, this is gonna be impressive, this is gonna be great. We get to the end of it, and what Mary says is this. Mary responded in verse 38, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. She's working from favor. 
she knows who she is. She's not questioning it. She's not wondering, will this impress God? She's like, nope, I know I found favor with him. I know I'm his servant because of what you said. I know he's already with me. Let everything happen to me exactly as you have said because we don't work for God's favor. We work from God's favor. That leads the way for us. I'm gonna ask the worship team if they would come back up on stage. As they do, I wanna uh, uh, end this out real quick. Since we've been talking about uh, my, you know, father-son relationship with me and my son and my dad and uh, myself makes me think of this. I've shared this story before. My dad, whenever I got my license and my sister got her license and my brother got his license, the first time we got ready to leave the house, he had like a little talk with us. Uh, I can still remember mine. It was on the way out of the door of our breakfast room when he stopped me real quick and he said the same thing essentially to all of us. Like, hey, hey, um, I know this is, this is a big moment. You may not even realize it. It may seem like this is stupid that I'm bringing this up, but this is a big moment. You're, you're, like, you're getting a level of independence and responsibility here that's pretty big. And so I just want you to remember while you're out, as you go out, as you venture on your own, to just, just act like a young. Like while you're out, remember, just act like a young. And whenever I was... Younger, I, I used to think that basically what my dad was saying was like, hey, don't embarrass us, <laughs> right? Like, just please, just, I don't want to read the newspaper the next day and be like, oh, there's our family name, like just splattered right there. Like, I don't, just please don't embarrass us. Please do, if you're going to do anything, impress us. Like, go out and do something impressive. Live like you're a lung. Live like you're a young. Live, live, live that way. That's what I used to think. But as I've gotten older, as I've gotten kids of my own, I'm realizing the truth of what my dad meant by that statement, live like you're a young. He wasn't, he wasn't afraid we were gonna embarrass him and he wasn't calling on us to impress him. What he was asking us to do was live out who we really are. That's all he was saying. Saying, buddy, whenever you go out there, don't feel like you need to impress me. Don't, don't worry that you're gonna embarrass me or your mom. All I'm asking is that as you head out the door, live out who you really are. Do you know that's what holiness is? Holiness is such a loaded term and it's, it's such a churchy word, right? Like holiness, it sounds like very, whoa. It's, it's really not that crazy and it's not that uh, scary or, or, or you know, imposing. What holiness actually is, holiness is living out who you really are now in Jesus Christ. That's holiness. Holiness is not how you find right standing with God. Holiness is not making sure I check off all the boxes, making sure I raise my hands at least three times during worship, making sure I give the pastor at least two amens. Like that is not holiness. Holiness, true holiness is living out who you really are in Jesus. And when you get that, when you understand that, you realize I don't have to do anything to find favor with God. I'm not doing this because I wanna get favor with God. I'm doing this because I have favor with God, because I'm spending time with him, because I'm growing alongside him. And as I do, I'm starting to pick up the same traits as Jesus. I'm starting to sound like him and talk like him and act like him. That's the good news that we see in Christmas. That is how everything changed for us 
at Christmas. Jesus and his coming has completely changed the game and it has ushered in a whole new way of living. And while almost every other faith, including some, some parts of the Christian faith, will tell you, hey, you need to impress God. Hey, you need to be impressive to him. You need to do these things for him. We understand that true Christianity says, no, 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 you don't have to impress God's favor. You inherit his favor from Jesus. And so you don't work for it. You work from it. That is the good news and that is the gospel. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you grateful? Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the truth of your word. We thank you for the fact that there is not a single thing we can do to get any more favor from you. We already have it in full measure. We already have your acceptance, your love, your security. It is given to us, it's imputed on us by Jesus Christ himself. Thank you for that truth. Thank you for the fact that we see at Christmas time uh, your kingdom. Your, your upside down kingdom that completely overthrows the way the world tries to tell us things are, that, that we see it entering the world at Christmas time. That even in this story of Mary being visited by Gabriel, we can already see uh, the beginning of the fact that things have changed, that there is a new era here and that all the misconceptions people had about you were gonna be finally and firmly put to bed. So thank you for that, God. Thank you that we can know the truth about you, that we can know uh, you uh, fully through Jesus Christ. Help us to hold on to this truth that we have uh, discovered in your word today, that you are a God who loves us. You're not, you're not a God who just kind of tolerates us. You love us. You love us. You loved us to the very end. Help us to hold on to that truth, not just now, but every day going forward so that we would know we are a people who have found favor with you. We pray this in your name. Amen. Well, that's all for this week. Thanks again for joining us. If you'd like to contact us or find out more about our ministry, head over to our website at cornerstonechurch.info. Have a great week.